<laughs> okay. I was born uh, into a Christian home and uh, uh, had, had a wonderful family. Um, three brothers, two, two brothers, three count me. Um, my mom and dad were uh, down in uh, International Falls, Minnesota and uh, when I was born. And uh, my, my father really wanted to, uh, wanted to learn. To, well, he knew how to fly, he, but he loved flying, and so he wanted to come up and fly in the bush and go out to these remote areas and land in these crazy lakes and, and, uh, and, uh, and do what he loved. Uh, so that brought us up here uh, in 74. And uh, I, think, I think pretty much, well, as probably everybody does, uh, I struggled with, with direction in life um, right from day one. Um, I was always a little bit of a rebellious one. Um, if, if, if you told me I, I shouldn't do it, I probably would do it just because, um, just, 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 be, just to try it out um, right from the time I was really little. Um, one of, to make, to, to keep it going, uh, when I, when I was, uh, about, uh, eight years old, my, my mother was diagnosed with cancer, uh, leukemia, um, and she was given just a few months to live. And, uh, that was during the time when Alvin Fry and a bunch of those guys, Merle Shantz, I think it was Merle Shantz, and, and, uh, were you in a picture yet, Norman? Not yet, eh? Back in Alvin Fry's day? No, yeah, I don't think so. Um, anyways, they were having, they'd have cell groups every, every, uh, and prayer groups, prayer and praise, I think they call them. Yeah. So we, we, we would get together and anyways, um, they laid, my, and my mother was pregnant with Derek at the time and, uh, they, they laid hands on her and anointed her with oil and, and, uh, she was, they, they asked if, she, if, if she could have another six years till Derek was old, old enough. Um, that that uh, could be taken care of, and she was instantly healed, almost instantly healed of cancer, completely, like totally gone. Like the doctors, the doctors didn't couldn't couldn't even tell. Um, six years later, we were we were on a trip to BC, um, and we uh, we took six weeks off and went tenting and camping through the through the mountains. And, and the last, I think it was the last week we were there, she started getting sick. Um, we didn't know that. Just her and dad knew that. Um, and when she got back, she found out that uh, uh, she had cancer again. Um, and then I, I don't know all the details because I probably killed a few brain cells in my day. Um, so I, I, I don't know how long it was from the time she was diagnosed again until she, until she passed away, but it wasn't very long. Um, and... Uh, it was pretty hard on me. I was 14 years old at the time, um, and and we were we were we were pretty close. It was me and mom were pretty close, and uh, ah, there was there was just little stuff that she she would do. And uh, when they were very they were very cons not not conservative Mennonite, but they were they were strict Mennonite. And one day I walked in the kitchen and she was she was vacuuming in the living room and she was dancing. She was singing and dancing like that. And man, she was all embarrassed when she saw that I seen her doing that. <laughs> um, so there's memories like that, that that really stand out. Anyways, I share that because um, 
I took that really hard. I took that really, really hard. And, and uh, the, that little bit of rebellion, rebellious spirit that I had um, growing up, um, it, it blossomed into, into a, a, a big thing. Um, when I was at the age of uh, 16, it was either 16 or just turning 17, uh, I left home. Uh, my my father with with my father's encouragement. Um, it was it was uh, this these are this is what we have in place and 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 if you don't follow them, you, you you'll have to go. So I told him, well, then I guess I'll be going. So I lived I lived uh, on the streets pretty much for for about two weeks, um, and then a guy took me in, him and his wife, and I slept on their couch for a little while until I got set up. Um, but I was, I was pretty heavy into the, into the drinking and drugs and, and, uh, and, and, um, and women. That was one of the big things. I don't understand that yet, but I, I always felt like there would be happiness in, in, in a female companion. Um, and I would seek that. Uh, and then after my mother passed away, um, I really wanted that female companionship. So I really even pushed harder on that, and um, but but I didn't want commitment. So I wanted a companion, but I don't want commitment. So it really caused a lot of issues. Um, I ended up in uh, this is probably probably about eight years. I think it was around eight years that I was really struggling, um, not not following Christ at all. Um, doing my own thing, looking for happiness. Didn't I didn't care one bit about what anybody thought except for making me happy. Um, um, I was in. Uh, I ended up in PEI, and that's a long story. But I ended up in PEI for about a year, and uh, I was out there, and I had lots of friends, and and uh, and and. Uh, during that course, that that time, I was working nights, four nights a week, and and in between those times, I could not sleep. It was one of the things that just drove me nuts, is I could not sleep. I'd be up probably 40, 48 hours before I could actually get a good eight hours sleep, um, and my my sleep was really sporadic, and I I, I couldn't like it just be off and on, and 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 I was just really getting tired, like. Um, and the other thing, the other thing was, um, I had lots of friends, but I didn't feel like I had friends. And so I, I wrote a note and sent it back to my dad. Um, and I told him this, I said, I'm, I'm very tired, but I can't sleep. Um, and also I just feel like I'm, I'm lonely. Like I got lots of friends, but I'm just lonely. And, uh, I found out later they were praying for that exact thing. And I think if I rem I don't know if he still has it, but he had it in a safe for a long time. But he kept that note because it meant like it was just an answer to prayer to him that 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 uh, I was uncomfortable doing what I was doing. Um, so I asked him for a job, and uh, and um, well, actually, I'm kind of surprised he even gave me one. But um, he offered me a job at the bakery, um, and so I came back and and uh, and worked for him the bakery 
Um, and that was probably a pretty stressful time for him because I was uh, living quite quite crazy at the time. Um, I was working two jobs. Uh, I was driving cab and, and working at the bakery. So the only hours I would have off um, was, was I think, um, it was from 10 and, no, it was from 10 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon, I think. It was the only hours I had off. And and I would work at a cab all the way till 2 o'clock in the morning. And then I would go to the bakery and I would bake bread all night till 10 in, 10 in the morning. And uh, and I was getting, I was tired. I mean, I was tired. But there was, there was times where I would, I would see things driving on the road and, and it would be messed up. And... Uh, one time I just came around the corner and there was like thousands of people standing on the road and I freaking hit the brakes. And I stopped right in the middle of the road, looked around like there was nothing. And I was like, whew, that was scary. Uh, anyways, we ended up at this Barry Moore crusade. My mother, my stepmother at the time, oh, I forgot to mention that. My dad got remarried. Um, about, again, I can't remember exactly, but it was less than a year later um, to a lady in International Falls and. And uh, so I got two two new brothers and and two new sisters, um, uh, two of which were older than me, and and you know how that goes. Um, then you don't, you're not the boss anymore. Um, that that didn't go over very well. <laughs> um, we 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 had a, we had some issues, um, um, but since they're probably going to listen to this testimony, I just want to make known that I was I ended up being the boss. So. Just, just so so they know that. Um, <laughs> um, anyways, uh, we ended up this Barry Moore crusade, and my stepmother, um, which which I hadn't accepted as a mother yet, um, uh, basically neither did I accept the family. I really struggled with that. Um, we went to this Barry Moore crusade, and it was a, it was like a it was like a Billy Graham crusade where where you get together and and they have this choir and. You know, you know what Barry or the Billy Graham crusade is like. So, my wife went without me the night before, and and uh, of course, mom was praying for her, mom, my stepmom, and and the Lord convicted her, and she went and got saved, and that just kind of screwed everything all up because she wasn't supposed to do that. Um. So I heard this through the grapevine. I can't remember if she told me or... If, anyways, I can't remember what all the details were. But I found out. And I was like... Like I knew which way I needed to go. But I didn't really want to do that yet. Because I was having fun. And... and uh, But I knew because she committed her life to Jesus Christ that... that she, she couldn't stay with me. Because I'd be, I'd be messing her up. So I figured... Well, what's it hurt? I'm just gonna go. So, anyways, I, I, I think, I think actually, I was driving cab the night she got saved because I, when they did the altar call, I took off, so I didn't have to listen to it because, you know, I hate conviction and stuff. So, so I took off, and then the next night I come back, and I remember sitting in the chair there, and, and the Lord was really uh, uh, convicting me on on the way I was living, and that that He was basically saying, why, why are you gonna screw up your whole life again? Um, just because you don't want to um, just because you don't want to give your life over to me 
um, you know, by then I by then I had a couple kids and and we were we were living in uh, Madison, and so anyways, um, the, so so the night before I decided to go back to this crusade, I'm getting ahead of myself again. The night before I was working at the bakery, and and I always had these th these different. I had to sleep one, you know, in between bread raising and stuff because I was so tired. But I had different things I would sleep in. One, one I put my hands on the, like this on the, on the table, and I could sleep for about 10 minutes before my arms would go to sleep. And, and then, uh, and then uh, I would wake up. And, you know, and, and there was a couple different ways I would, I would sleep that way. But this, this, this morning I, I, had to sleep, I was laying on the counter like that, and, and uh, all of a sudden I woke up. And I heard this big trumpet, and, and it just scared me. And so I ran out to the car, and I whipped out to Madsen, and and uh, nobody was in my house. My wife and kids were all gone. Um, and I started freaking out, and I drove back to the bakery, put my hands on my head on, like this on the, on the table, and I woke up. And it was all a dream. And uh, that's when the Lord really started convicting me. Um, so anyways, I went to the Spirit More Crusade. And uh, went forward that night um, and recommitted my life um, to Christ. Um, now, I've been I've been brought up in a, in a very strict Mennonite home, and and uh, there's a lot of uh, rules. And so my idea of my idea of the Christian walk was was if I just quit smoking and I quit drinking and I, I get rid of my leather jacket uh, with fringes because I was evil, and and um, and if I would do all these things, then I would be a good Christian. Um, so I did. I that's because that's what I knew Christianity. Um, so I got rid of all this stuff and and I lived like that for I think five six years. And, and uh, you know, there was times where my kids would act up in church and I would reach underneath the table and, or reach underneath the bench and I'd snap my fingers like that. And nobody in the church would hear it but them because they knew exactly what I wanted and they knew they were misbehaving and they were making me look bad. So, so uh, and I, I, I took pride in people telling me that my family, I was a good father and, and that my kids listened and, you know, things like that. Um, it was about five or six years into the, into my Christian walk when, when I started struggling and going into a bit of a depression. And I didn't understand why, except for my wife quit telling me yes. She started saying no. And uh, she wasn't being the dismissive wife that she was supposed to be. <laughs> and, and my kids were starting to disobey. And they were, you know, we were starting to have issues and they were getting to be teenagers. And, and, and they were struggling with life. And and they weren't they weren't making me look good anymore, um, and and I really was going into this depression about about how what the Christian walk was all about. What like am I really a Christian, or if you know what's what's going on with me? I've been doing all the right things, and now everything seems to be falling apart. Um, so I ended up at a. Promise Keepers. Now, if you don't know what a Promise Keepers is, it's a, it's a men's conference that we still go to. 
every year uh, where thousands of men get together and they talk about how they can make their lives better. Um, the women just love that. Um, but we, we get together and just encourage each other and, and learn um, how to be better fathers. Um, so I was at this Promise Keepers thing, and I figured, you know, this is the weekend. I'm going to, I'm going to, God's going to speak to me, and and I'm going to know why I'm having so, these issues um, with with uh, my, my Christian walk. And uh, so I went all weekend, Friday and Saturday morning, and nothing. I didn't, I had, I had nothing. So Saturday afternoon, and if you've ever been to one, it gets, it gets really tiring because you're, you're listening to sermons and singing all weekend. And, and uh, uh, even though they're good, it's just tiring. So I, was up, I went way up. We were in, we were in the uh, arena, Winnipeg Arena at the time. Uh, not the new one, but the old one. And I went way up, way up into the nosebleed section, and I was up there sleeping. And uh, all of a sudden, God, I believe God, woke me up. And Steve Masterson was preaching, and he he really rebuked us for being the fathers that um, being not for not being the father that we need to be to our children. Um, and and he started playing that song, "Cats in the Cradle," and it talks about. If you've never heard the song, it talks about how the father was too busy to come to his son's birth, um, was too busy to come to his birthday parties, too busy, too busy, too busy, too busy. And then the father was on the on his deathbed in the hospital, and his son was too busy. Um, and I started crying, like sobbing, like uncontrollably sobbing. Um, because... Um, I knew I, I knew I hadn't been the father that I should have been to my kids. Um, I didn't understand why yet, um, but I, but what? I I just knew I wasn't being a good father, and so I I was I ran to the bathroom, and it, we was up there. There's only a few of us up there. Um, most of everybody was down below, but I went to the bathroom upstairs so that I could get cleaned up and. I was standing at the urinal going to the bathroom and, and I was wiping my tears and I had just got under control. And this guy comes in, he stands beside me and he, and he goes, man, was that powerful. <laughs> and I just started sobbing again. And, uh, and uh, he's like, oh, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. You know, he's like, anyways, uh, so we got through that. I cried all the way home um, from Winnipeg. And then uh, at Rising Above uh, conference here, they were just finishing up, and Mervyn Chichi was speaking, and uh, he he spoke on the Father, and um, talking about how uh, how God just wants to be our be our Father, and he wants to wants us to love Him, and He loves us, and and uh, and I was I was an emotional wreck, and and that time I I recommitted my life again. And and uh, I told I told God that I don't know what's right and wrong anymore, and and if you want me to be a good father, um, you're gonna you're gonna have to show me how to be a good father. So this was this was a couple years later now, and I and I was I was still struggling, but I I knew that you know I was some things were coming together. 
But I was invited to go to this uh, conference in, uh, in in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and it was definitely a God thing because because the pastor of the church at uh, Heartland Church, um, he, he would he, he would wake up at night and he would just start crying and and uh, and thinking of me and Helen and and thinking, hey, we need we need to get. And we didn't even know him. He just knew us. He knew us from a from a uh, friend of ours out there, uh, Dan Utes. And uh, he says, "I don't know what's with this Mike and Helen, but we need to get him here." And so he, the church, paid for us to come to Indiana um, and go to this uh, conference called the Father's Heart. Um, and it, it's uh, it was put on by Jack Frost from South Carolina, who's now passed. Um, and it was called. Uh, he wrote a book called "Embracing the Father's." heart now, experiencing the father's embrace is what it was called and I've, i don't read anybody that knows me knows i don't read um but that book i read and and it it was it changed my life um basically to to put it in a nutshell it talks about how we are all orphans we were orphaned um um through through the garden um and we we walked away from god and we were orphaned and so we're all orphans, but God, through the cross, made it all possible for us to be adopted into his family. The only thing we have to do is accept it. We just accept his invitation. And then he becomes our dad. He becomes, he becomes our father. And, and, um, and we, we start on our family journey. Um. And this was a new this was a new thought to me because because the Christian walk was always was always a, a do and don't rule bound and and and, base, and and a lot of being scared of making a mistake because because you're going to go to hell that's kind of how you feel um, and now we got into this thing where where God is our dad. And and now when we make a mistake, we have to have that relationship with him so that we can go and talk to him and we can reconcile and we can make it right. And and he's not an angry God and he's not a he's not a God that's going to strike us down just because we made a boo boo. He's a, he's a God that loves us and he cares for us just like I do my kids. And and he's gonna he's gonna work with us as long as we're willing to work with him. And and he and he's gonna work out those things. And so. Um, so this, this is the mindset that I started coming home with in, in, uh, in, uh, from this conference. Well, there's a couple of experiences that happened and I'll just share them quickly. But one was, uh, I was standing at Dan Utes, uh, house in, uh, by the kitchen sink. No, I wasn't. I was in the living room. She was at the kitchen sink and, and, uh, God, uh, very, um, clearly told me that I need to give my guitar to my son. Um, and this is, this is an eight, like, you know, eight or $900 guitar that I bought in Edmonton. And, and, uh, I play it all the time, like all the time. And we, we were doing, you know, cell groups and, and church, you know, and stuff like that we were doing. And I, I play it all the time. And, and he said, you need to give your guitar to your son. 
And uh, well, of course, I said that's I must have heard wrong. Like, hello, like you wouldn't. Why would you tell me that? You know, I'm using it for him. You know, I'm singing in church. And so I went out to the kitchen sink there where Helen was doing some dishes, and and I told Helen, I said, you know what? A stupid thought came to me that I'm supposed to give my guitar to to Tyler. She she starts laughing. She says, I heard the same exact thing, and I told him, you better tell him yourself because he would never listen to me. <laughs> so anyways, so it was uh, it was just before Christmas when we came back, and uh, um, we came out, and it, we're, we're, we're poor, man. I was, we, I, we had five kids and dog and house payments and making minimum wage pretty much, and I was poor. And and uh, we Christmas was going to be small. We just got back from a trip, and uh, so I said I mentioned that at home. You know, Christmas is going to be kind of small. Tyler was over, and uh, Tyler says, "Yeah, I kind of figured that." I said, "Well, I do have a Christmas gift for you, though." I says, uh, "I want you to have my my guitar," and uh, I still remember him. His head whipped around. He looked at me. He says, uh, you don't joke about things like that. And uh, I said, no, I'm, I'm not joking. So I gave him my guitar. And uh, for about, well, probably, probably a year, I played this old piece of junk sunburst thing that wouldn't stay in tune and loved it. Um, can't say I didn't struggle with it, but I loved it um, because because I knew I had done the right thing. Six months later, he was at DFC in, uh, in uh, Thunder Bay, and I went to see him. I was down for a conference or something. Something I went down to. It was just me, so I, I went to see him. And he said, "Well, you probably don't want to come to my house because you know, you know, it's kind of, it's not you." Um, I was like, "I don't care. Like, let's do it." So I don't mind staying there. So okay. So I went over to his house and we went out. We we went out to the mall and he got a haircut and we went for steak, I think, and. Did some odds and ends. Went to the movies. Um, just had a good time together. Um, then we went back to this place there, and we talked just a little bit. And um, he gave me his bed. I was in his bed. He was sleeping on the floor. And uh, I was laying there, and the lights were off. It was all quiet. And, and I, I just told him, uh, Tyler, I just, I just really... Appreciate the time we had just come here and hang out. And uh, he says, "No, he says you don't, you don't, you can't imagine the feeling I have about it." I said, "This means so much to me." And we sat up in bed and we talked till like four in the morning about everything. I mean, we talked about stuff. Stuff was going. There was stuff I learned that I shouldn't have probably known. I mean, it was it was it was uh, it was the best talk and the and and the building of relationship that I had with him. And it was so cool. Um, what what not everybody understands is that is that the uh, Sam and Tyler um, were I adopted 
Sam and Tyler. Um, they were my wife's children. And uh, so we had a relationship, but it was, it was kind of a, this, this meant a lot because this was exactly what I had been learning um, with the Father Heart of God conference. Um, there was also uh, a couple things. Uh, Dan Utes um, felt God wanted him to uh, help me out with a CD. And uh, we, we, uh, we did a CD on, uh, it, was called, on it was called The Father's Love. And uh, it just touched a lot of hearts and people um, uh, around the world, actually. Um, but there was a there was a song. Uh, we we did these Northern Eagle school retreats, um, and there was a song that I would sing that the Lord gave me that Brian Dirksen uh, sang. It was called uh, "Stay," and and it talked about it talked about how. I was an orphan, but you adopted me, and all I'm all I'm looking for is just a hug, just an embrace. Um, I I can't do it on my own. I'm just I just need I need a father's hug, and and it, it meant so much to me. And 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 uh, and when I would sing that, especially at the Northern Eagle retreats, um, God God would just touch the kids there. Um, there's just something about that song that, that just meant so much to them. And, and there was a couple of times, there's one, one, uh, one time we started singing that song and, and this, this person just started crying just right in the middle of the service. You know, these are, these are kids that are, don't, don't do that. You know, they, they're tough teenagers. Um, one, we were playing floor hockey and the guy says, the guy just stopped right in the middle. He, he just stopped and he just said, that's it. He says, I want to become a Christian right now. Um, all because of, the, of this this neat song. I know um, I know I don't always I'm not always the father I need to be to my kids. Um, and the one thing I always fight with is guilt. Um, because I made mistakes and made the wrong choices. Um, and I know that my father is going to be listening to this. Because he will. And uh, I want him to know. I'm telling him right now. That um, the choices, good and bad, in his life that he made years ago um, may or may not have affected me. But ultimately, I'm responsible for the choices I made. Um, I want him to know that. I also want my kids to know that. That I am not a perfect father. I make tons of mistakes. Um, I do my best. And that will affect my kids' choices in life. But ultimately, they're responsible for their choices as well as all of us here so I guess I guess the, with the, the, the whole moral of the story uh, of my testimony I really to, to put everything in a nutshell I have I think we have a tendency of dealing with with issues good and bad 
um, using the law until something directly happens to us that that puts us in a situation that makes us vulnerable and then we start dealing with issues with love and as a father would um, we we definitely well this church, this church has been through a lot this year and um, and I think I think that's a good example of how how we we need to experience the father's embrace and and uh and and practice that um on our kids and on our on those of us that we're mentoring so that's a little bit of my life story um i'm still not a perfect father close but not perfect um but i i'm i'm still working on that um i don't always make right choices um God keeps dealing with me all the time. Um, and uh, I do know that, that one day um, when I'm standing with those millions of people in heaven, um, that God's going to look across every one of us and he ain't going to see nothing. He ain't going to see those mistakes. And he's, he's going to be, all he's going to see is a pure and wonderful bride that, that he's... He's got up there, and uh, I'm excited to be there. So that's my testimony. Yeah, I can sing Stay. Hang on. Yeah. So I'm going to sing that song. surrounds me I know I'm yours I'm so glad you found me I was an orphan you adopted me
As I look into your eyes, I see such kindness. Nothing in the world is anything like this. I was an orphan, you adopted me. Mm. Amen. Mm.